The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... Time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And Kevin Ryan is back. Good morning. For the first time since Last Jedi. And... The reason is because uh, the Joker movie is out. Uh, this was a movie that I was always curious about, and we've gone to see it. Uh, it's been very controversial. People are saying it's worthy of Oscars. People are saying it should not be made. Uh, people are saying it's irresponsible. People are saying it's a commentary on our lives right now. Anyone that has an agenda has an angle on this movie. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I, it's a little strange how much people are paying attention to it. I think because it's the thing to pay attention to. Yeah, but it's like why because it's because it's October and it chapter two came out a couple weeks ago. But uh, and also the Joker is the best known villain in comics to the point where they could make a Joker movie that doesn't have Batman in it and people are going. Yeah. So, oh, uh, the uh, spoilers. This is obviously yeah. We got there's no way to talk about this without yeah. spoiling stuff. No, but it's in the zeitgeist right now. I just watched last night Saturday Night Live, and they did a joke with Giuliani wearing the Joker's makeup. That's great with the blue eyes and the red nose. Like oh, that. so it's like that. It's modern, that movie. So yeah. it's definitely in the culture right now. So I think everybody's got a take on it. Uh, we haven't discussed it at all. No. Which is weird. So, no, we, we try to do that deliberately because yeah. what we don't want to do is have a great conversation in the kitchen while we're brewing coffee and then come in here and people are trying to remember what they said. So, uh, haven't discussed it at all. Who wants to go first? Uh... Okay. We all pointed I, at Steve. I uh, I'll, go, I'll go first. I didn't... I did not... Uh, I liked it. I think it's a good uh, movie. But I don't know that I've ever, and I don't really know what the word is, might be tense. I was like gripping the armrests of my chair the entire film. I was so tense. Well, part of, part of it, I think, is um, the news stories around it because they stepped up right. security. Because, yeah, I don't know how much of that. It's more of like. Well, I definitely had that because when we were in the theater, um, a big guy came and blocked the door the second it started. And for a half an hour, I'm like, is that guy a cop or is that guy oh. going to kill us? Because that guy's. Clearly got room in his jacket I, for a weapon. Yeah. And I went to see my wife, Renee, and she was like, she was like, yeah, I was looking at the guy. And then I looked and you were looking at that guy. And it it definitely added to, I remember when we saw um, Dark Knight Rises, mm -hmm. it was like right after the shooting happened in Aurora. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting with uh, Tim, who used to work at the store, and Danny Romero, oh. who used to work at the store. Yeah. And, and I remember Tim going like, is is something going to happen here? And yeah. I was like, no, there's too many theaters. Just the law of averages. I'm sure we'll be fine. But, but he was worried about it. It's yeah. in your head, and I that added an extra layer of tension. Yeah, it was. Uh, I it was. I was speaking more from like the the actual movie is because it's like you know the Joker's crazy. 
and you know he's going to get crazier as the movie's going. So the whole movie, you're just kind of like waiting for this guy to like snap. Yeah, it's going to go and, bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard in like California, they had a credible security threat at the theater. They, they shut some the screenings sh- yeah, down. They shut yeah. something down. And it's like, I know we talked about this very briefly, maybe last week or the week before when this was coming out about this idea of like, uh, is it irresponsible? Should they be making a movie like this? But it's like, there's all these idiots that are going to go out and commit these violent acts are going to find any excuse to do it it's like that doesn't mean we can't have violent video games like i played violent video games i played that cowboy game i was running around killing people do you know what i mean it's like i'm not a violent person it's like i have mental health issues it's like i'm not running around i read a great article about how um and we'll get deeper into this as we go on but this is clearly an homage to movies like taxi driver and king of uh, comedy king of comedy dog day afternoon taking the pelham one two three uh, all those movies in the 70s and um, when this premiered at the film festival people went crazy and they said some people walked out and I read an article they were like yeah people walked out of Taxi Driver too and that's mm. considered a classic Right. so it just because people don't people are offended by it now doesn't mean that it's not va- a valid film sure and uh, yeah I mean you're allowed to be offended or whatever I guess if you want to walk out of a movie that's fine but I I don't know it's- yeah I thought uh, I, 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 there's things I really like about it. There's things I do not like about it. Um, but at one point I was like, this is the best episode of Gotham anyone's ever made. Right. Because yeah. they even show Bruce Wayne as a kid and it's Gotham before that. And I'm like, this is the same formula that Gotham used for five years. The big difference is that Gotham had a hero. Gotham didn't have Batman, but it had Gordon and Bullock in every episode. Mm-hmm. This movie has no hero. Yeah, there's at no hero. All like the best character you can talk about is like Robert De Niro, who's got ten minutes of screen He's time. He's kind of a jerk. He is. Well, there you go. Not even him, because yeah. there's nobody who comes out like Mark Maron gets two lines, and it's like, and in that I'm like, look, it's Robert De Niro, and Mark Maron. I like those guys. Yeah. Um, but there's not much to their character. There is there is no one to root for. In this movie. and Yeah, which is unusual. Well, it reminded me I had an argument with my dad about Breaking Bad. Was he got into season two and he's like, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, why? It's the greatest show. And the mo- and it had ended at that point. So I was like, it just gets better and better. Like, it's not yeah. going to drop off. You want to finish this show. And he's like, why would I watch a show with no one to root for? And I remember saying, well, as you watch this show, and spoilers for Breaking Bad, I think we've all seen wow. it. I was like, as you watch Breaking Bad... You will start rooting for characters you didn't root for before. You will start rooting for Hank. You'll start rooting for Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. And that and one of, that's one of the things that makes that show brilliant is that you start identifying with Walter. And then at the end, you and you're, don't identify with anyone around Walter's world because he doesn't like anybody. And then by the end of that show, you don't identify with Walter and you identify with everyone in his world. Yeah. Joker did not have any character no. like that. And I think there's there's a lot of sympathy for him in this movie because it's like uh it's 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 kind of like it's a it's kind of like a dumb moment is like of course the joker comes from a messed up place uh terrible things happened to him that made him the joker that it doesn't excuse him making terrible things happen to other people but that idea that it's like you knew the if any origin form it wasn't going to be pretty and it's just like uh yeah, it, I I don't I agree with like Lisa and me had talked about this a lot. Was like I like the Joker just kind of being like the shark in Jaws. I just kind of like him showing up, a lot of chaos, and then he goes away. It's like I don't really need an origin form. 
it was interesting to see them give him an origin. Right. But it's... Um, yeah, at the end of the movie, Renee said to me, she's like, is that true to the comics? I'm like, there's no true to the comics. So the only consistent no. thing in the comics is that he was dressed up as the Red Hood and fell into a vat of chemicals. Right, which, That's, which this movie does not do. Not at all. Yeah. I, well, because, also because Batman's a part of that. Right. And there's no Batman in this. Yeah, it was weird that they put... that. I didn't need to see, like, a young Bruce Wayne in this movie. No, it was Gotham. Again, yeah. and you know what? I did not need to see those fucking pearls again. I'm yeah. like, yeah. The reason the MCU Spider-Man worked is I didn't have to watch Uncle Ben die. I'm like, right. every time Batman appears, I have to watch the Waynes die. Like, Batman versus Superman opens with the Waynes dying, and I'm like, why? Right. Like, we see Batman as it's a fully... what's his name wanted to film it. Yeah, but we see Bruce Wayne as a fully formed character in the beginning of that movie. I don't need to see that origin ever again. And at the end, when the Waynes walk out of a theater and they're showing Zorro the gay blade, yeah. which was the George Hamilton movie in 81... Uh, I watched it a lot. It was a WHT staple. As soon as they walk out, I'm like, oh, fuck, we're doing this now? I actually was very frustrated, too, as soon as I saw the Zorro, what do you call it, on the marquee. Yeah, on the marquee. I'm like, what the fuck? Why are we doing the, oh, the Joker killed his uh, parents again. But it's he like, didn't. No, I know, but it's yeah. like he incited <laughs> Like the violent. Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of like, we were here already. It's like, this would have been fine without any of the, that'd be my big complaint about it. It's like, this movie works fine. Pull out all the Bruce Wayne stuff. You want to keep the crap about like Thomas Wayne in there, I guess. But it's like, that could have been. That was interesting. But honestly, I thought it, I thought that would have worked better if it was um, Bruce when he's coming back from training and they're trying to find, he's trying to find right. out all about stuff about Thomas Wayne, but Thomas Wayne is dead. Because then I feel like there would have been there would have been hope if I had an adult Bruce Wayne in this. Because when the two cops show up to investigate, I'm like, oh, are these guys Gordon and Bullock? And no, nope, I like that they were different cops, though. It's like there's more than three cops in Gotham City. Yeah, but there was nobody to identify with. Like Alfred has one scene. And I'm like, oh, Alfred's here at least. You know, there yeah. was nobody to hang on to. But but Kevin, um, I enjoyed it. Um, when people ask me about it, the Really, the thing that I said was that it's very affecting. Um, where I went with it is that line in the Killing Joke. I think it's Killing Joke, where he says that he prefers to have his past as multiple choice. Yeah, that's yeah. Killing Joke. You okay. and I actually saw the Fathom event of the Killing Joke animated movie. Yes, we did. And we had to watch Bruce Wayne have sex with Barbara Gordon so on exactly. a big screen. That so was weird. really weird. Now, once again, I, I still defend that movie by saying once it gets to the book... It does the book right, but you got to right. wait 35 minutes for that yeah, to right. watch the creepiest, skeeziest episode the, of Batman the Animated Series yeah, ever. Yeah. So, Until Batman and Harley Quinn. So it was very affecting for me. And like Steven said, there, there's a definite amount of empathy mm-hmm. for Arthur. Um, but as far as the young Bruce Wayne thing, as far as wondering whether or not all that stuff actually happened with that ending scene right before it goes to credits. Yeah. Because he's clearly captured. Yes. Or he imagined the whole thing. Yeah, that was, I think, something that was like, there's a couple, they, the one thing they say for sure is he imagined is like all the stuff where it's like they kind of gave him a girlfriend. Yeah. And then yeah, he found the a neighbor. Oh, uh, but yeah, Zazie Betts, who uh, doesn't get much to do, but she's always great. She was Domino in Deadpool too. Right. Oh, that makes and, sense. But she's in. She was in Atlanta, the um, Donald Glover show, which mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a show that like I wouldn't want to watch over and over again. Yeah. But she's fantastic in that, and also Brian Tyree Henry, 
who uh, plays the orderly in Arkham that won't give him the files. Oh yeah, he's the dad in Into the Spider Verse, but he's a major part. Oh. Of, he's a major part of Atlanta. Yeah, and they're both they're both really good. So I was happy to see both of them in this. Yeah, but the they show that he's crazy. Uh, he he imagines all these scenarios that happened with her that actually didn't, and they show that. But yeah, that's right. It's like. It's 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 like it's a movie that makes you afraid to be crazy. Right. Oh and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's you're just kind of like, oh man, this guy's like he's trying his best mm-hmm. and he doesn't live in a kind world, so it's like he doesn't get any, there's no break that this guy gets. We can relate to him. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's yes. a that's the jarring part for me. Is yeah. that you can relate to either Arthur or the manifestation of Arthur's lack of conscience in the Joker. Yeah. But for me, the the wonder of whether or not it was all real or if it's the typical Joker thing of making up that story to explain why the Waynes are dead. Because in this movie, Arthur is 30 years old, I, something like that. I mean, like Joaquin that. Phoenix is, is pushing 50, and they don't make him look younger. So right. he's, he's definitely a grown man. I didn't buy him as 30, but... I think they might I mean, have they said, had, they 30 said years something ago like 30, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the adoption slash Thomas Wayne being the father. And that goes into the Joker as a deceptive character because he feels that he's been deceived. Right. Mm-hmm. And specifically by the Waynes. But whether or not it's real, the point of, for me, the point of having all of the people dressed as the Joker with the masks and everything like that is that. Arthur, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, might not be the Joker that we know, but that that Joker that we know was born out of this movement. Out of this chaos, yeah. So, and again, that that goes into the ambiguity of the origin story. So that was my thought. Yeah, I, it was it was tricky. I think it all happened because that last scene, I spent the last 10 minutes going like, every shot, I was like, is that the last shot? Mm-hmm. Because oh, I, yeah. because I kept thinking like, where is this movie going? Because obviously, obviously, he's not in a great place when the movie starts, and then you know he just gets into a worse place. And as we said, there's nobody to contrast that in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's no Jim Gordon. There's no there's no real Bruce Wayne, um, which is part of what you love about the Joker is watching Batman catch him. And I felt like. Th- that made me feel like something was missing because there was there was nobody to stop him. We see him captured later. Yeah. But then that final shot was, I thought it was real, thought it wasn't real, then thought it was real. Because hmm. he does have a character arc where he's, you know, he's crazy. And in the beginning, he's crazy at the end. But... What he does is gain confidence because when it starts, he gets beat up by kids and mm-hmm. he's a victim and he's he's crying and he can't con- like he's just put upon by the world. In the end, he's taking control. Right. So that final shot when he's walking down the hall uh, of Arkham Asylum and you see blood come off his shoe. I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, is this real at all? Because that just seems like a symbol for something. And then when he gets to the bot, then when the orderlies chase him, I was like, oh, "Okay, he murdered the, the, psych- he murdered the psychiatrist the woman, yeah. he was just talking to." Which was, a, w- in retrospect, was a perfect Joker line where he starts laughing. Um, which, by the way, I love this touch was that uh, 
Joker has a condition called PBA. Is this a real? It's a real condition. In fact, uh, I worked on a drug mm -hmm. that um, counteracted the the effects in advertising. We we okay. pitched a company that that did this drug, and like we worked on like what the TV campaign would be. So I learned a lot about the condition in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and it is a real condition that. Uh, you have laughter that does not match your emotions. Mm -hmm. So it's like this involuntary ref reflex. So when he gives the lady the card on the bus, I recognize it as a real thing. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I because, thought that was a really good touch. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, I've worked on this condition and I never even thought Joker with it. Right. But it it makes a, it it's a real thing, which is obviously what Todd Phillips was going for. But that explains why he's always laughing. There's a great scene where he's in the comedy club. And Gary Goldman, who's a real stand-up, is on stage. Um, and and Joker's laughing at, or Arthur is laughing at all the setups and not laughing at the punchlines. Like, he laughs at all the setups, and then when people laugh at the punchline, he writes down reasons why. Yeah. And then you've seen his notebook. And it's um, insane. Yeah, well, his notebook, by the way, every time they, they showed that notebook, try to read everything. Because mm -hmm. they're clearly focusing on one line that's right. important to the story. But everything is written out, it's, thought out. Yeah. Like I could catch it's all deliberate. I could catch yeah. a couple of lines, and I'm like, "This is something that will reward you with a pause button." Yes, right. But uh, but I love that that was a real thing. Yeah, the that was a really nice touch. His laugh was like super creepy because it's like it, I've never heard an involuntary laugh before. Mm -hmm. And then this movie, you hear it a lot, and you're like, "Oh, this is so weird." And yeah, and with PBA, it almost sounds like crying. That's yeah, what I was and there well, was because I've seen real. Yeah, because I've because um, when working on this, I've seen real like patient footage. Do this. and they're talking, and it, it almost sounds like they're breaking down. Yeah, so he had that, but I I also love that he added that high pitch. Yeah, so I haven't heard a high pitch joke laugh in a long. And, and maybe since Mark Hamill. Yeah. Because Heath Ledger had that low, well, deliberate. And that's what I was going to say is it just goes to show you that uh, this is uh, this movie's a really good point that uh, Jared Leto's an idiot. Oh, yeah. Is because... Uh, you needed a movie? You, well, no, but it's like this, is, this should be proof for people that it's like Jared Leto's not like a fluke. He's a moron. Any, and Heath Ledger wasn't a fluke either. You know, yeah. everyone's like, oh, Heath Ledger. No one will ever be able to like do a Joker like this. It's like, no, we just got another really, really, really good Joker. You know, it's like. It's, but you can see, you can see that Heath Ledger is the turning point because there's a lot. Joaquin Phoenix does a hell of a job, by the way, that his performance oh, it's carries so this creepy. movie. And I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast and he was saying that he had two scenes. And he said one is cut out because it's a scene with uh, just him and Robert De Niro. And Todd Phillips said, we cut out everything that didn't have Joaquin Phoenix in it. Yeah. So the one scene you got is when you're in the room with Joaquin Phoenix. And so he's got to carry this movie in a way that most actors don't. Mm -hmm. There is not a single scene that he is not oh, in. Yeah, that's right. so weird. There's no like reaction. There's no just the world around him, you know. Um He's doing he's doing a really 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 strong job, and but you can see Heath Ledger in there because mm -hmm. you know his oh, yeah. his hair is the same the shitty makeup with the with the the bleached green hair that's not all even not and the yet. makeup that's breaking we would not have that without yeah. Heath Ledger. Well, even the idea is like because Heath Ledger is kind of like a stringier Joker. Mm -hmm. You know, Jack Nicholson is kind of he's a bit of a 
he's an older guy. He's got, you he's know. Middle-aged. Yeah. Well, Joaquin Phoenix lost 50 pounds. Yeah. I was actually really curious because they spent so much time with him out of shirt on. I'm like, that there's no way. very this unsettling is... to yeah. see. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, what he's like. It's uncomfortable to yeah, look at it. It's yeah. so, it's gross. And, and you it... see him in interviews now. He put that weight back on. So that was yeah. not a natural weight for him to be. Right. It's just, it's, uh, yeah, he did a deep dive into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, he did an awesome, awesome job. You know, the other thing, there's a definite Norman Bates vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah. especially with the mother. Well, yeah. And then, but when you kind of coincide that with, because yes, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, there's definite work in there from that. But I also got a very Kubrick vibe. Mm. With the, a lot the pacing, of the, yeah. yeah, the pacing, the mm. sound in it, because there was one point when they had, where the score had like that low string. Yeah, Renee was saying. It was um, like The Shining. Yeah, but it was also like Dark Knight. Cause yeah, Renee, Re- that too. Renee and I were talking about how much it owed to Dark Knight. First of all, his makeup. Mm. Uh, but that last scene when he's in, when he's in the room in Arkham Asylum, the, uh, that tiled room with the psychiatrist, I'm like, this looks just, just like, like the interrogation the, room in Dark yeah. Knight. Yeah. And the scene where he's in the cop car. Like oh, when they yeah. when they take him out and he's That's, leaning his I head against the window, too. it's like dark. Night. It's exactly like the shot where Heath Ledger's hanging out of yeah. the window. It's the same angle. Yeah. Uh, but she mentioned the score. She said, "Yeah, the score was just like Hans Zimmer's yeah, score like in the, the Nolan violin. trilogy. Was that yeah, yeah that low yeah. tense? And it was tense. Yeah, it's like this yeah. intensity that they kind of maintain through the whole movie. Is and and sometimes it was giveaway because like when he's on the talk show and it seems to be going well, that score just comes in and you just go." Oh, this is going to turn really yeah. quickly because it comes in before the dialogue takes that turn. Yeah, that was such a take on Phoenix's appearance on Letterman, though. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I kept thinking. And the Dark Knight Returns. So yeah. awkward. It's it's the it's also the Dark Knight Returns when um, Joker's on Letterman. Yeah, he kills Letterman and Doctor Ruth, who's on that panel. Yeah, that's that's a direct response. And in the animated oh. in the animated movie, it's Conan O'Brien. Oh, yeah. Because Letterman had retired, so Conan yeah. actually does the voice in the Dark Knight animated That's movie. That's right. So it's, it's, I got that Dark Knight Returns vibe, but you're right. It is that kind of when Joaquin Phoenix was trying to prove he was crazy for that. Yeah. Was that was movie it, I'm, I'm Still Not here? There or I'm Not There or something like that? I where... think it's I'm Still Here. I think I'm Not There was the Bob Dylan movie. That is. Yeah. With that... Kate Blanchett and Christian But I think Bell. Joaquin Phoenix played Bob I... Dylan, right? There were five he... people that played Bob Dylan. He was, Heath, Heath Ledger was. Heath Ledger was? He, Heath Ledger Wasn't was. He? Uh, no, that was, was the Christian Bell. I know Kate Blanchett definitely did. Why did I think Heath Ledger was Heath in Ledger's that movie? Last movie, Colin Farrell and Doctor Parnassus. Else. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Terry Gilliam movie where yeah they recasted him three times because he was in he was in these kind of dreamy sequences, surreal sequences. Yeah. So then his scenes they got like different actors to do. Yeah, Colin Farrell. I, I want to say you Depp. Johnny Depp and Jude Law. Un- unfortunately, Jude both Law. both the Bob Dylan movie and the uh, Doctor Parnassus movie are movies I saw once and they just went away. Yeah, I saw that Bob Dylan movie and it's like, like people said they were important before I watched it. Then right. I watched it and I was like, yeah, yeah. Heath Ledger's in I'm Not There. He plays yeah. Robbie. Oh, so that's why we think that. Yeah, yeah and Christian Bale's in that one too. Yeah, they're both. Really are. I remember Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, that's before Dark Knight. Well, it's obviously before Dark Knight right. because Ledger dies before Dark Knight comes out. Yeah. Right, he never got to see it. But um, yeah. no, his father accepted then, his Oscar. Another thing with this movie that why I was really kind of impressed with was uh, the authenticity of like the cars, the scenery. Like, I don't know where they shot this movie. They shot it in New York. And that's what I was like. The wide shots, 
that was one of the reasons it reminded me of Gotham because the wide shot. I was trying to to find streets because it. You, I agree with you. It exactly felt like New York in 1981. Yeah. And I was a kid in Queens and my parents were telling me never go to Manhattan alone. And right. I'm like, because it was that. Right. But, you know, every time I looked at a street sign, they changed the street sign because it's Gotham. Yeah. Because they say outright, this is Gotham City. Right. No, and then in the that. wide shots, the wide shots really reminded me of Gotham, the TV show, because they would always show those establishing shots that were very CG mm-hmm. heavy so they could create the skyline. But the difference was Gotham leaned into that kind of Batman arch style where it wasn't quite Tim Burton. Right. But it was beyond Nolan where it was like it was stylized and like and dark and oppressive. Yeah. And in this, they just moved the buildings around Manhattan so you couldn't tell it was Manhattan. Yeah. But yeah, they they nailed it. And a lot of it was like, shot. I believe it. A lot of it was shot uptown where they made the Amazon the tick. And it's like, oh, wow. it's like this is a New York that does not exist anymore. It's not. It doesn't look like like this. you had to do a lot of set dressing to make it that dirty. Yeah, um, was there a garbage strike in New York? There was. Yeah, and New York, uh, Renee. Renee um, I'm surprised we didn't put her on because I'm quoting her so much. Um, Renee was always shocked when she moved to New York because New York has no alleys. Yeah, because uh, real estate is so precious that anywhere there was an alley, somebody put a building in there, and there are some very narrow buildings yeah, in Manhattan. <laughs> So there are no alleys, so everybody's got to put their garbage on the curb. Right. And Renee was shocked when she first moved to New York. She's like, there's garbage all over the sidewalks because Chicago is known for those alleys. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in the early 80s, there was a garbage strike and the garbage just piled up. That's wild. How long did the strike go on for? Do you remember? Oh, months. Yeah. Yeah, That's insane. Yeah. It was, you know, New York in the early 80s had no money. It was Gotham City in the late 80s, the the Gotham City that Frank Miller wrote about was... Gotham City in the early yeah, he 80s. He was living in Harlem. That's the same thing he was doing on Daredevil. Yeah, and Daredevil, Daredevil, in yeah. Daredevil, it was happening then. Right. And in 86, it was starting to turn. It doesn't really... So Rudy Giuliani comes in and cleans up house. Yeah, and also Clinton's in the White House. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, because Reagan was kind of... Reagan was kind of starving the economy. So New York got worse and worse and worse under yeah. Reagan, while the uppies made more and more money. Not unlike now, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, they it felt it felt like it to the point yeah. where I was like, hey, what street is that? What street is that? And it's like, all right, that's a real location, but they're going out of they their way so to well. not let me know and that even, like, that's the interiors. All the the apartment was super creepy. The all the doctors' yeah, the, offices the, are super. The creepy. The paint was chipped off the door because yeah. you could tell it just wasn't kept up. It with. just looked incredible. Like yeah. even that little clown's office. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it was just everything. Uh, it felt like Gotham City in the seventies or the eighties. Yeah, whatever, and the TV you know, and the radios were always talking about like how bad the city is getting. Yeah, and it's. Setting up a city, it felt like a city that Batman could come into and start to turn things around. Right. But. Well, here's the thing. But not soon enough for me. That's why I wanted an adult Bruce Wayne in this. Because I was like, I want to know a year from now that Batman's on the scene. Not 20. That's why I hate this Batman is a kid shit. Because it's like, (laughs) the kid is Ben's age. Batman's eleven or twelve when his parents get killed. Yeah, and Joker. No, he's younger than Ben in it. He was like he kind of reminded me of my of my younger son Sebastian. He was like right. eight. Yeah, years. right. And then Joker's like my age, in his like early mid thirties. Yeah, although right. the actor's my age, sure. and I'm much older than you. Yeah, but it's just like just think about that. It's gonna be another ten or twelve years before 
Bruce Wayne's Batman. So Joker's going to be reaching his mid-40s to late-50s. And then a 19, 22-year-old Batman's going to come in and beat his ass. It's like, we, it doesn't make any sense. I remember we That's talked my about, issue, too. Yeah. We talked about this when Gotham was on because Gotham got to the point where... Here's 12 villains. When they got desperate for ratings, they threw every single villain in. Uh, like, here's a, so here's a complete Mr. Freeze in a suit. And here's a, here's a scarecrow with a mask. And here's three different actresses that could be Harley Quinn. And here's two different characters that could be Joker. And I remember, I think we said it on the podcast, but we were like, wait, when, so that means when Bruce, because Bruce is like 16 on Gotham. I'm like, when Bruce becomes Batman, all of these guys, he's going to be like, like 30 and they're going to be like 55. And then I realized, oh, that's the Adam West show. Yeah. Because all the villains in Adam West are middle-aged. Right. They're all in their 50s. And Adam West is like 32. And I'm like, is Gotham becoming Adam West? Yeah. And eventually it did. And it did. It did. So it is kind of that same that same gap, which is, again, why I was like, oh, this is a Gotham movie that they spent a lot of money on. Right. But with again, without, it's the point I keep coming back to. There's no hero in this. No. So at the end, I was like, well, what was that movie trying to say? Because there was no point where you thought Arthur might be okay. They showed they showed ways he was getting worse. He was getting bullied and beat, beaten up on the street. Taking off his meds. He, he's t- yeah, yeah, funding uh, city budget cuts, took him off at seven meds that he was on. Um, he had no connection with the outside world. His mother, uh, mother let him be abused. Um, I did find it odd that they had him be adopted because I was like, when... I think it's furthering his... Dis- disconnect from everybody. It's the ambiguity of it, too. It's showing that he couldn't be Thomas Wayne's son. Well, but again, if if you follow the narrative that's in Joker's head, that's all a lie to cover Thomas Wayne's ass. Right. To oh, have right. the Wayne family... Until he sees the forms. ...still look yeah. good. And Well, but again, the implication is that those forms are fudged when yeah. the mother... And we never get her name either, which is... Although he does believe it, because he murders her. Right. And that's why he murders her. Like, yeah. he smothers her with a pillow because because he knows she well, let this Because she happen. lied to him. Right. She I... lied to him, and he saw... There's pictures of him as a kid with mm-hmm. bruises all over him. Right. So he knows it. He knows that well, that Well, because then that explains happened. how he was in the mental asylum in the first place. Yeah, because he, he, right. be- he mentions he'd been in an asylum before the movie begins. Yeah, this, his therapist asks him, and he's like, he just kind of doesn't want to think about it. Yeah. And then I kind of forgot about that until it came back later. I was like, oh, yeah. They never explained, like, what's wrong with this guy. And then they said he had the laughing condition from a head injury. Traumatic brain injury. Traumatic yes. brain injury yes. is what gave him that laughing condition. And it was like, oh, okay, so this there is something more here. They just didn't dive in or dig in as much as they needed to. It's like they explained it in 30 seconds. Well, they definitely lean towards the nurture versus nature. Right. Um, this this would be a great topic for your sister Lisa to be here, but she refused she has, to see yeah, this movie. she's like no interest in it. As a big Batman fan, she's like, she's one of the people that feels this is irresponsible. Okay. Um, yeah, she she her thing was that uh, she's not a big believer in the Joker should have an origin. She kind of likes this ambiguous character, but then she's also coming from the point of view that has kind of been around a lot is that it's like um, it's like uh, it's a violent white guy running around with a gun shooting mm-hmm. people indiscriminately, yeah. and it's like she and doesn't what, really want. What is a her lot job title? Is she a social worker? Is she she's, a therapist? Um, she works in the education system. She's a teacher at Lewis. Okay. And she's a therapist, so she she does have patients she sees. Okay, but then she also teaches. But she's got like six or seven letters after her name for her, uh, and she's about to get her doctorate. Yeah, but this is definitely like 
this is aimed yeah, she, at her be, as one of the problems. There would be a lot um, for her to unpack in the movie. Certainly, I think she just has like a uh, like a bias. She doesn't want to. She has, she, has, she has very little interest in it. I don't even think she, she'll see it eventually. I think when it's on a DVD, she's not going to go see it in a movie theater. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those where uh, she's she's close to being at my level of Batman fandom, so she yeah. will see it. Like yeah. I said, I watched every episode. I watched every episode of Birds of Prey. I, we actually really liked that show uh, when we were. That show's years. worse than Gotham. Yeah, but it it had its charm, and that one girl's really hot. I think it's on the DC wow. Universe app, which yeah. apparently I renewed without knowing it. Yeah, you know, catch up on Titan season two. Yeah, I was right about to cancel it because <laughs> I paid for Disney, and then they were like, "Oh, this will renew on September twentieth," and I'm like, "It's October 8th. Yeah, oops. <laughs> so apparently, I have another year to watch Birds of Prey again. There, there's just such a feeling of alienation. Yeah. In this Joker movie, though. And it's and it's relatable and it's it's very easy to feel empathy for Arthur, for the Joker, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But it also brings about a very unsettling feeling that you can have empathy for someone that we know is a complete murderous psychopath. Like Right. And there's no there's no off ramp. No. To this, there's no, like, like I was saying before, I'm still struggling with what was the message of this movie. And I yeah. know there wasn't an explicit message. And I think that's one of the reasons people are saying, oh, this is a great film because everybody's bringing their own agenda to it. It's like what, um, what you're getting out of it, what you're bringing into it. Mm-hmm. Like, is this movie about mental health? Is this movie about toxic masculinity? Is this movie about economic strife? Is this movie about the destiny of a mythological character? It's all of those things, but it never completely points to it. And I'm still struggling with there is no there's no plot turn in this where Arthur would not be the Joker. And there's no plot turn that doesn't end with him murdering people. And there's no plot turn that ends with somebody stepping up to combat him. Yeah, he he gets captured and gets put in Arkham at the end. But we don't see that. We, we don't s- know how that we see him right. surrounded by Jokers as a Christ-like figure. It cuts to black. It opens and he's at Arkham, which is why I think you're questioning, did this even happen? Right. Has he been in Arkham the whole time? Right. And, you know, when he does, when he redoes his smile, because he has this motion in the movie where he turns his mouth up. It's the first shot in the movie. And then he does that to Bruce. And then he does that with his own blood yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. And that has to mean something that he did that with Bruce. Oh, maybe it's just well. Idea. It shows that there's a connection, and every time there's always there's a gate, or there's a fence, or there's like a graded, like a chain link wall, yeah. between the Joker and so many other people that he sees almost as a salvation. Yeah, even the even the uh, even the records guy yep, at Arkham, Arkham, yeah, when he pulls the his like folder away from him, yeah, yeah, when he yeah. when he's telling him like about all of his problems, and well, he, he, he pushes up against the fence. Yeah. You see his nose bend against yeah. it. He, he says to the orderly lady at the end, or whatever the therapist that he murders at the end of the movie, he says she's he says something about a joke. But he's like, you wouldn't get it, right? And they're talking, I think, about Thomas Wayne had been murdered, so that was pretty big. big See, I thought they showed that I thought shot he was saying, right then. I thought he said, I thought he was saying you wouldn't get it because he's thinking about murdering her, and he thinks that's oh, going to be hilarious yeah. when he murders her. And he's like, well, you won't find that funny because yeah. I'm gonna murder you. Because then the next shot is the blood on his shoe. Mm-hmm. 
There, yeah, but there is that he does reach out to several people that reject him. Whether whether he's confronted them with something that's not real, like Thomas Wayne, right? Or he's imagined that he has a relationship with uh, Zezzy Betts, yeah. Who like when she finds him in the apartment, she doesn't know who he it's is. It's really and actually realize when that... she doesn't. She says something like she can. Conf- she's like, "You're Arthur, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." You're fuck. like, "You live That's down the exactly hall." That's exactly what I yeah, said I was too. Like, he's like, because she says like, you're in the wrong apartment. She doesn't say who are you, what are you doing here, right? She she recognizes him, but she doesn't know him. And so. It's very unsettling. What's the word you used? You said it's um affecting. affecting. It's very yeah. affecting. It's and well, and again, the thing that really got to me was when it turned out she didn't come and knock on his door to ask him if he followed her. Yeah. Yes, it was all in his head. It was yeah, all in everything. his head. But the like, only interaction they had that was real was in the elevator, elevator with the he, suicide yeah. motion. Yes. And there's and that's just like a, a, a casual, casual like yeah. you're in the elevator with somebody who lives in your building. You're making small talk and then you just walk away. And mm. she reacted to it like she was laughing. Yeah. But then she realized what he was going to do to her when he made that motion in her apartment. He killed her, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Her Did and he? Daughter. Yeah. I thought and he, the I daughter. Thought he, you I think, think so? Yeah. Because I he, thought he did just walk out because we didn't see that escalate. And there were very violent scenes, like like the the large clown. The yeah, yeah the, that was really. Graphic. That's explicit. Yeah. So that that. So we don't see any yeah. evidence. We don't see any blood on him. We don't see anything. I don't know. I, that actually didn't occur to me that he might have killed her. Oh, and, I, I was and like, the daughter. As soon as he turned around, I'm like fuck, he's gonna murder. This because girl. then he goes back to his apartment and. He's having that reaction where he does he's that laughing all the time, where it sounds like he's crying and laughing, yeah. mm-hmm. but then it started to intermingle with his other laugh, which is when he actually finds stuff funny. Yeah, and we ne- we do never see her again, right? At, or the daughter, but when he's back in his apartment, he falls off his couch, yeah. and you hear the ambulances and the fire trucks yeah. showing up right down his hallway. Oh. So, so yeah. he murdered her. Yeah, I mean, he murdered everybody pretty much. And the movie. and the daughter. Yeah, he did let that little midget con go, which I thought was like that. Oh, was and, that very, and that uh, that that is, scene was when, funny when he reaches up for the chain and he yeah, can't reach I'm it. Like, oh. My whole theater went, oh. Yeah. I thought he was gonna kill him. And when yeah, he when so he went too. boo, that's the biggest jump I had yeah. when he walks past him. Yeah, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. That was such like a Pagliacci scene. When he's just when he has his shirt off and he's kind of bending because yeah. when he's putting the makeup, he does on, that a lot. And he does he, he he does that smokes and gets kicked on the ground a lot. Yeah. Those he, three things keep happening. But he looks almost he looks almost like an insect, like a mantis, when he's putting on the yeah. white makeup. When the two clowns show up, they're like, because they showed up because his mother died, right? And then he kills the big clown. With a pair of scissors, yeah. and there's just blood everywhere. Yeah. But he just like that's where he just has the white makeup and the hair dye. Right. So he looks most like the classic Joker because he hasn't added the red nose and the blue right. eyes, which is what it makes him more clown like and distinguishes him from other Jokers. Because Joker's never it. ever had a colored nose. Right. And I think it's too why he's in a red suit instead of a purple suit. It's like right. it's well, like just suit, off a bit. His suit was the closest I thought to the comic Joker, even beyond Nicholson, because I, I I thought that was a purple purple suit, uh, orange shirt 
mm-hmm. is the closest I've ever seen the Joker in anything. Maybe Cesar Romero. Mm-hmm. To because like even looking at yeah. Nicholson, Nicholson's got a lot of patterns. He's got a lot of dark blues. He's got a lot of things that match that darker tone of Burton. Yeah. Um. And he's and obviously Heath Ledger is Heath Ledger. way over. Heath Ledger has like no orange unless you count the lining, the in, lining his jacket, in his jacket. But he's a lot of grays. And this was like that suit was clean the whole movie. That mm-hmm. suit pop like when he's. On the stairs, which is yeah. becoming that iconic shot. The, yeah, it's the movie poster. The Gary yeah. Glitter yeah. scene with yeah, rock with those, and roll those part stairs two. of the cloisters, which they, which you always see him go up. Mm-hmm. And you see him come down as the Joker. There's a lot of point and no return in this movie. When yeah. he kills his mother, he goes off his meds, he climbs into a refrigerator. He kills yeah, that was the, so creepy. That was weird, man. Because yeah. like, yeah. he's listening to the we phone We don't see ringing. him come out, but then the next shot, he's out. The next shot, so he's I'm like, oh, maybe bed. the refrigerators aren't that dangerous. So yeah. that's that was the transition moment for him as a character because he climbs in. And this is after... It's like a chrysalis. Yeah, yeah exactly. So What he, does it take place after... He gets the call to come on the talk show right right after, after that. I think it's after he kills his mother, isn't it? It's after he kills, so he his, kills mother. his mother. Crawls in the fridge, and then the phone rings, and it's the come on the show. Yeah. Come on the show, and then he's and, and Renee was Renee turned to me. She goes, "Do you think that's real?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's real because we're definitely going to that place." Yeah. Oh, the call. Yeah, I knew that was real because I think we had known that from the trailer also or his reaction. His reaction was like, who is this? What do you want? Right. He didn't know what was going on. And so it wasn't a fantasy he are, had concocted. All yeah. his delusions are uh, he's doing and saying weird things and everyone's going along with it. He has a line with the Well, girl. that first one where he imagines himself in the audience of De Niro's talk show. Yeah. And I thought like, we were doing a flashback. I'm like, oh, no, this is he's crazy. Yeah, because yeah. De Niro's yeah. like, I wish you were my son. And it's right. like, uh well, the girl says something to him. She says something like, were you following me? And he's like, yeah. And then she's not upset about it. And she's like, That's... oh, you should have robbed me. And he's like, oh, I, I bring a gun. I, I got can... a gun. I can yeah, do it tomorrow. Yeah, and then she laughs. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, this is really weird. Well, then when he's in the club, he's in the club and he's bombing. Oh, and she's laughing. And then, yeah, and then, but then he's imagining that it's going well. And you don't, you don't see that set until you see it on TV. Yeah. Which I still had a problem with. I'm like... Who's videotaping this open mic set and then giving it to basically Conan O'Brien? Well, then that's the thing. It's like, why is Conan O'Brien so obsessed with this bombing stand-up comedian? And it's like, let's get him on this show. It's just kind of like... Yeah, it's it's like kind of a Howard Stern thing to do. It's like a a whack pack thing to do. It's like, oh, look at this crazy guy. We can kind of make fun of him. You know what I caught? And I don't know if you guys caught this too, but the comedy club... Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Pogo's, yeah, mm-hmm. which was John Wayne Gacy's other persona when he was a clown. Uh, oh, oh, that's a nice touch. Yeah, because it, it reminded me of the Walt Kelly comic strip. Yeah, my my mind immediately went to. Well, the first thing I thought was, oh, that's not a real comedy club. Because oh, right, cause again, I was, I was looking in Gotham, John. I yeah. never <laughs> did any stand up at Gotham, <laughs> but there's there's so many locations that I'm looking at and I'm like, is this the Boston? Is mm-hmm. this is this the Improv? Is this Caroline? I was like, is this a comic strip? It was closest to being the comic strip. As I said, I recognized the comedian on stage yeah. immediately. I heard the, I've done shows the voice I had heard uh, from Instagram. There was like, Instagram will do like videos. Yeah. And I've, I, it wasn't his voice. It was a different stand-up they had. And I'm like, oh, I know this guy. But yeah. I couldn't place him. Yeah, he's that's Gary like Goldman. I think he just got an hour on Netflix. Maybe that's but what he's, I But he's know. been a stand-up for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. It did make me think that how cool would it have been... Because I thought De Niro was an interesting but odd choice 
because because it was like, Robert De Niro's kind of a weird guy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what is that that Soderbergh movie with Matt Damon? Um, God, what is it called? Where he's he's playing like the is it the informant or where he's got like the glasses and the mustache? Yeah, called the informant. The informant. That movie is all comedians except for Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in that movie is a yeah. comedian playing a serious role because Soderbergh wanted to be slightly askew. And when I saw like Mark Maron. I was like, oh, how interesting would this have been if everybody in this movie was a, a comedian? Because, oh. you know, we have Gary Goldman, we have Mark Maron. Because De Niro, De Niro, I was, I was watching it going like, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is a King of Comedy reference. Mm-hmm. Because King of Comedy is about Robert De Niro kidnapping Jerry Lewis, who's basically Johnny Carson. And it's that same scenario, and it's that same era of Scorsese. Mm-hmm. But when... When De Niro was doing the monologue, I was like, the jokes were okay. Nothing in this movie was very funny. At all. And that no, and that's something yeah. that hit me was Todd Phillips was a comedy director. He did all the hangovers. He did old school. He is funny. But this movie so this movie is deliberately not funny. He gets yeah. one of the greatest dramatic actors of his generation to be a comedian. Because mm-hmm. I was like, why isn't this a Letterman, uh, a John Stewart would have been great in that role. Right. Yeah. But then but they would have been too funny. Well, as that scene escalates and De Niro starts going at him, I'm like, that's and why you have keeps, De Niro in this and role. And he keeps saying, you thought you were doing society a favor by killing these young men. Yeah, he's he, cha- he starts saying, challenging these him. young men, these young men. Yeah. And that was when Arthur snapped and he's like, what about me? Yeah. Like, look at what society's done to me. Well, because in that whole the whole way he's preparing for it, he's going to commit suicide on the air, and right. because of that exchange, he just murders De Niro instead. And then they show it on all those TV monitors. That was what I thought the last shot of the movie yeah. was going yeah, to be. Yeah, I thought that was the end of it. That's what, I thought that was the there end. There were a lot of like, last shots to this movie. Yeah, and with every last shot, I'm I'm trying to find the message that Todd Phillips intended. Because as you said, you bring to it what you think, mm. but. I'm like, the last shot is going to tell me what, it what is. this movie is. Yeah. And, and what I got out that. of it was the last shot is that Arthur found confidence in being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And Arthur is living his best life as being the Joker, who is the greatest villain of the 20th century. I mean, maybe Darth Vader, but like what what other villain in pop culture created is bigger than the Joker who was created in 1940? Vader's redeemed. That's it. Yeah, that, Joker that's will a, never be redeemed. Right. Vader is redeemed be. and that's look. The other thing about the Joker is being a, is being an iconic villain is there are multiple interpretations of the Joker. There's Caesar Romero, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, there's Heath Ledger, there's, there's Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill, there's how many different Jokers like I'm not even that into Batman, and I can name that many. There's as many Jokers the as there are Batmans. Yeah. Every t- every time we get a new Batman, we get a new Joker to Except go with that this Batman. Time. So, but Except the, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was definitely the message that I caught from it was yes, obviously it's a commentary on society today with the Antifa movement, and if you watch Mr. Robot, the Fuck Society movement. Mm. So there's that. Well, the too. masks remind me of V for Vendetta, right? Uh, of Anonymous, yeah, which yeah. came out of the Occupy Wall Street movement. Occupy Wall Street, and but this. those masks are from V for Vendetta, which is an Alan Moore comic. Mm. So those masks actually came from a DC comic, right? So I felt like that's coming full circle, where 
where the Antifa took this symbol that was in a DC comic and put it in the real world. And now the Joker movie, which is a DC character, is commenting on that. So there's the other comment on it that I definitely saw was this impression that the message was that we're all the Joker. Like, we're all an aspect of the Joker. And so could Arthur Fleck be, like, the Joker? Probably not. We've also seen a ton of other Jokers. But if he's the guy that inspired... Like a movement almost. A movement, which is what it is. Because he's held up as a messianic figure, again, after he comes out of that refrigerator. And you have to wonder, after he comes out of that refrigerator, we don't ever see him not as the Joker. Yeah, once because he puts the makeup on. He always on, has the makeup He always on, has right. the makeup on after he comes out of that refrigerator. Well, until so the end. In the last scene right. with the psychiatrist, they've taken the makeup off him. But, but he's but he's, he's fully, fully the Joker anyway. Now. Yeah, And it's also, too, is that the... Uh, it's like the... He, he murders Robert De Niro on national television. It's like things that happen on TV like that are, uh, you know... Uh, replayed over and over again it's like people are looking at it, it's like it was that idea of like he like spread this like larger message of like chaos right into the world and remember this is set this is set in the early 80s so television is the most powerful form of media there's yeah. no internet right so it's it's a news clip that got repeated it didn't just air live right because then it was it was like on all the news were reporting on it after yeah so it so that's how it went viral that's how things went viral back then was right. the other networks repeated at the newspapers there's a lot of newspapers in this yeah that yeah. show that that's how his message is spreading now it would be through social media right but yeah that that is a moment where he's fully become himself and that's the moment where he becomes known to the world yeah because I think the movie like we had said it could have ended with the backing this camera backing up and showing all the different screens covering you're like mm-hmm. oh yep there he is he's the joker now this is a this is his first appearance do you know what i mean televised everyone's aware of this character now in the public eye but then it's also like him on top of that car car with all those guys around him. could have been the last scene of the movie it's like yep gotham's gonna be a cesspool until batman yeah I, <laughs> shows found, up. I found that odd is that he's so passive in that scene after he kills Murray Franklin, which is uh, De Niro's character, mm-hmm. and he walks up to the camera, we don't really hear what he says. Because they cut him off. They cut him, yeah, they cut him off is that that's the classic Joker takes over all the TV stations and, he's, mm-hmm. and he lays out his plan for taking over Gotham City and he's telling jokes while he's doing it. It's, I, I probably not a year goes by that the Joker, that, that, that doesn't appear in a comic. It appeared in more than half of the animated series episodes yep. that he's in. It appears in his first appearance in 1940. That is a trope of the Joker. Happens in the Dark Knight. It happens in the Dark Knight, yeah. is uh, And we are cut off from that. And But after that, he doesn't do anything. He rides in the car. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not saved. That's not part of his plan right. to get hit by that ambulance. He doesn't know it's going to happen. He's unconscious. His followers pull him out, and then he just stands there. Like he and doesn't, he starts he doesn't doing the dance. dance. The yeah, he doesn't take control of this of the situation. No. And I was thinking, if this was more of a character study, that's the hour midpoint, and then the second hour is Joker saying, "Oh, I have these people that follow me. I have this motive for spreading chaos. I'm going to turn these people into an army." Yeah, but I, I don't uh, but think we don't like get that too, at all. It's like uh, he's not the type of guy like. 
there's that line in the dark where he's like, do I look like a guy with a plant? Which is ironic because he absolutely is a guy with a plant. Mm-hmm. The yeah. whole movie that is That movie a plant. is completely it's thought out from his out. perspective. This version of the Joker doesn't seem like there is any kind of plan. It's more like he's kind of like, he kickstarted something and he's just kind of like swept up in it. Yeah, and he, he's almost kind of like surprised. He's like, it's like um, coming yeah, home to like ends, a surprise party for well, yourself. It ends with him as a passive character, which bugged yeah. me, is that... He is swept up in that current, and then the last scene where he does murder somebody, we don't see that, even though we've we've seen, and as we're discussing this, it seems like we see him violently murder half the people that he kills. Because the, the three guys on the in the subway, right. there's Robert De Niro, there's his mother, and then there's these murders that happen off screen. Like, I didn't... I, I didn't think that he murdered Zazie Betts, but mm-hmm. now that you guys have discussed it, now I think he did. Yeah. Um, we see him murder Randall, but we there's people he kills off screen as well. And it's odd that we end with with him committing a murder off screen, which feels a lot more passive. Yeah. Was he ends he ends that movie not active at all, which I found really odd. It's like just... it felt like it felt like he was deflated. Yeah. Like well it's almost I kind of see it as like um we don't we didn't see him murder that last woman that he was interviewing or whatever. And it's like so because we don't see it, it's almost it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's kind of like you said, it's passive. And it's like it's it to me it's kinda of like, oh, that's how the Joker it doesn't matter to him. Right. He just murdered this person. It's like it doesn't have to be shown because it's like he's gonna do he's just it's he not murdered special so for indiscriminately. Him yeah. Yes. It's I mean it's part of his yeah. I mean half the time he murders his own henchmen while right. he's planning while he's planning something. He's yeah. not he does not care who he kills. And it was the passive thing works with when the two cops chase him onto the subway mm-hmm. and he just kinda lets them get taken yeah and yes. they end up we don't see them again they're, they're right but they say we hear they're critically, critically injured. injured yeah they're right. not murdered right and again that was de niro saying that yeah he goes these cops are in critical condition because of something you did right he doesn't know how correct he is in saying that yeah yeah because he well, slips into the crowd because they become him right all yeah, he has to like do is are... take one of their masks and they cannot find it yeah the other thing that was creepy is after he shoots um De Niro on the talk show, he has like weird nervous energy mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. he does it. Yeah. And it reminded me of, um, I never, I don't think it exists, right? They didn't, no one filmed John Lennon getting shot. No, no, but it happened I, outside his house. But yeah. I had read about it, the guy, and the guy was like, got really nervous after he did it. And he was like pacing around yeah. the steps and he was like reading out of the catcher in the rye. Yep. And he was just really kind of like, it's the same kind of thing where it's like a little kid almost where it's like i was a little kid before we've all been there and uh <laughs> yeah we've all been little kids yeah, yeah. and i I would do bad stuff i wasn't like a well-behaved kid but then i remember you do bad stuff you're like oh, i just did something really bad and you'd be really kind of nervous and you'd be like waiting to get punished because yeah. you're waiting for it and it was almost like he was doing that before he like kind of collected himself and then got up and like went to the camera. It was I think it was so, very unsettling. I, that's the Norman Bates thing again. Yes, yeah. very very Norman Bates like repressed. Yeah, because he's so nerd. Like when Norman Bates pushes the car into the lake, he's mm-hmm. like just totally nervous. I also think there's like it's almost like a sexual energy where you get yes you get so built up that after you've released that sexual energy, which is the way I will say it in front of two straight males, yeah. uh, <laughs> is that there. When it's really intense, there's this moment where you're kind of like yeah. just tingling and shaking because 
all of that energy has been pent up right. and it's been re- and it's been released that you're it's like adrenaline moving through you it's, it's adrenaline like moving feeling... through and there's an emptying out yes. of like of like this this thing that i bottled up is out now and now my whole body is loose which doesn't so I think there was which that. doesn't bode well for the argument that this like aggressive like male aggressive like the incel thing movie, yes the incel you know thing I mean? because I which mean... by the way how is that a movement if it, incel guys I mean, are what? just I don't know guys what that is. In incel means like involuntary celibate. In, They're a movement of guys that can't get laid. Right. Oh, so it's like if, there were times where I could. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on a second. When you say it's like a movement. What do you mean? They're like they're like a group like Antifa. <laughs> but like, like they okay, talk to each other second. on the internet and organize things. I what lo- are they I'm organize? loving not getting laid in between this conversation right now because Steven's reaction to this is making my fucking day. But right hang now. on a second. Like Antifa has a mission. Is like anti-fascist. Yeah. They go out and they fight. Incels are very Nazis. angry at people that are getting laid. Yeah. That's what and it they're is. Very, they're very angry at the women who won't have sex with them. But yeah. Which is weird because I've had, I've gone whole years without getting laid. Yeah. And, God. And I didn't want anybody to know that. Wait, it's like, they're, I don't, it's like, it's weird that they're advertising it. It's weird that they've made a group for it. And then it's weirder that they're angry about it. It's like, guys, none of this is going to help you. Yeah. Well, your goal here. Exactly. Are you going to go on a date and go like, I haven't been laid in like two years. Because immediately the girl's going to think, well, why though? Right. Right. Because there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Like why am you, I going to be the one to break that when, trend? When you define yourself as an incel, that's like red flag number one. But In, you have to look at... incel, involuntary... Involuntarily celibate. Celibate. Involuntary. Meaning they don't... Mean no one will have sex with me. These guys sound like uh, rapists meaning without... That, right. Yeah, which means committed. I would have sex with me if somebody would agree to. That's so like, weird. But I'm of, so offensive that nobody's going to get that Right. Like, there was a... There was a tweet from some incel guy that linked to an article that the entire purpose of the article was how to get a girl to talk to you when she's wearing earbuds. And it involved oh, right. like so weird. It involved like getting within like proximity to her, but still making sure that it's a safe distance and like the things that you say when you get her to take her earbuds off. And I remember I retweeted it and I said, or just let the fucking woman go about her business and keep her goddamn yeah, earbuds in. Yeah, I think if you have in, earbuds like, in, it's assumed it's you a don't clear wanna, sign. Yeah, like, don't interact with me. I like, talk to girls I do on that. The, so weird. I couldn't talk to girls on the subway when they didn't have ear earbuds. When in. they didn't exist. <laughs> well, <laughs> there were always headphones. I'm not that old. All, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but they were over the ear. You could see them right yeah. away. Taking a look, taking a look at that parallel with the incel culture, though, is when Arthur goes into his neighbor's apartment and has sex with her, but it's a very forceful thing. So he, he's fantasizing about this aggression. Oh, yeah, and right. that's not real. He and just, he and just it's starts not real, making yeah. out. And none yeah. of it's real, but that's his fantasy of how all of this would then work. Right. And even the thing where it's like he creeped on her, he followed her around, yeah. and she was like, were you following me? And it's like, and then she's fine with it. No one is fine being no. followed. That's... You know, what do you think he thinks that's real or because in the in the beginning when he's imagining that Murray Franklin's saying, like, I wish you were my son and you're so talented. Mm -hmm. We cut back to him sitting on the bed. So he knows that didn't happen. Right. Because he doesn't imagine himself going there and then coming home. Right. So do you do you think his whole relationship? Yeah. He knows that's not real. No, no, no. I think he thinks it is. I think that's him. 
Because it's like in the first time when it happens with uh, Murray, it's like he's thinking, like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if and then we cut back and it's kind of like he he knows that it's, back a, it's like, yeah, right. But yeah. I think this is like he's kind of getting lost in his delusions. And that kind of is like why it's like I was saying earlier is like this is a movie that makes me afraid to be a crazy person is because it's like you just can't trust your well, own yourself well then maybe that's the message you know, that's like, a, if you're having these problems call go, a therapist right. get on the meds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right it's and it's it's usually better i don't know people that are worse after meds and therapy what's uh what's the line in his journal where he says the worst part um, about having a mental illness is that people expect you to behave as if you, you don't, don't. Yeah. right and that's and that he laughs at that like that's that's on a, a page of his jokes yeah right. it's a punchline and, and the other jokes are Awful. That was one of those moments where I was like, it was on long enough where I was like, hey, what's a joke at the top? Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, these jokes are terrible. They're all terrible and they're but, dark. But that's the big one where he's like, where he's basically like, that's my closer. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of posts from the comedians I know who really identify with like his scenes at the open mic. Yeah. And those are, those do feel really real. Yeah. From my experiences is that whether or not you feel like Arthur, you've seen Arthur get up at an open mic. We used yeah. to do um, mm-hmm. the New York Comedy Club. We used to go there at five o'clock on Monday afternoons. And that open mic would last for four hours. And it would be 40 comedians. And it was, um, all of our friends would go there. So um, so everybody would be practicing new jokes. And, you know, there were a lot of guys that have done really well. There are guys that have been on this show that are now doing well in comedy that would go there every week. And you'd go to see them and you'd go to try out your new jokes. There'd always be five guys who wandered in off the street. Yeah. And I, they were so glad to have a microphone. I had never, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen like professional stand up on like television or Netflix yeah. or whatever. And then I'd seen, I think we had to go see uh, Ellen when she came back. She had yeah. a special in Chicago. And you know, um, Mike Lawrence and Mark Norman, who both been on the right. show, we invited us to, to see... their show. So we've, right. uh, I know but, you've come with me to see those. Since then, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, this guy, Chris, he got really into stand-up last year, started performing. Mm-hmm. And we went to go see him and a bunch of his friends downtown. And then they were jumping from like club to club or whatever. Right. They went to like three different open mics downtown to do stand-up. And, some of them are good, you know. Chris is pretty good, and his friends are good. And then you, you do see that where it's like this guy just like wandered in, and he was talking about like Bitcoin, and you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck is I've this?" Seen guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've seen guys pull knives out on stage. Oh, that's crazy. That's what I mean. Oh, when he drops the, with gun, the gun in the hospital, yeah, I like, I, I would jump, I froze, and then he, then, and I, I love the way he tries to play it off of like. Oh, it's a prop, but also the way he acts, where he puts it in and then he shushes everybody. Yeah, and some of the kids laugh. Right, but then like, like the orderly th- in the corner was like, "Dude, what the fuck?" He thinks mm-hmm. he's gotten, away, but he thinks he's gotten away with it. Yeah, and, uh, just so unsettling. But what's a what's the old line that the root of comedy is tragedy? Yeah, tragedy yeah. plus time. Right yeah. equals comedy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, it makes sense. It's like a yeah. Uh, there's a lot to unpack, and it's even the um. The laughter he does mm-hmm. where he's like in the crowd and it's like off a bit from everyone else. Well, that's what he's saying. He laughs on the setups and yeah. then writes notes during the punchlines. And you, I, we've all heard or been around people like that where it's like the really socially awkward yeah. laugher and you're, you're just kind of like, oh, this Well, it's guy. not like that guy who repeats the part of the setup because they don't know the part of the joke. Yeah. Where you tell it, where you tell it, I, I don't have a joke on hand. Yeah, I don't have an example. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know what? Uh, there was a joke I used to do in my stand up that was a one liner. Was I? Uh, I used to say I used to have a girlfriend that would whisper sweet nothings in my ear. She used to lean in and go, "You're nothing." 
Yeah. Um, that's the best one-liner I ever wrote. But you'd always run to that guy that goes, ha, sweet nothing's in your ear. And you're like, no, that's, 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 that's not the, the, that's the not the punchline. There's a great Key and Peele sketch about that. Yeah. Where like Peele's telling Key a joke and he laughs at everything but the punchline. Mm-hmm. And it's that bit. When somebody does that, you're like, oh, I don't know how to communicate. You've... Uh, you got the response I wanted. Yeah. But you didn't do it right. You didn't get and it at the right time. No. Like, I don't want to ruin the fact that you laughed to tell you that you're right, laughing. Right. You got to laugh, so and, leave it at that. And it definitely, it has that vibe, like Steven said, like, we've all accidentally ended up drinking with somebody like that. Yeah. Like yeah, somebody yeah. who's sitting we at the bar. We find out they're dark like, at a party. Well, all of, well, everyone in this room has a dark side. Oh, yeah. um, absolutely. So, so Everyone in this room likes people that have a little bit of a dark side. Yeah, I like people right. a little bit of an But edge. then you've, I then you've always made that mistake where somebody's got a really deep dark side where it goes to that Arthur, yeah, uh, uh, level where you're like, oh, I gotta pull back, and you're worried about the fact that they're consuming alcohol around you and, and getting that less it's in control, been progressing worse. Yeah, yeah, just the idea, like I said, that that like steady progression through this movie of him just kind of like. A bad thing happens, and another bad thing happens, and another bad thing happens, and you're just like, it reminds me of that. Uh, the Killing Joke did this, this mm-hmm, premise mm-hmm. of like one bad day is all it separates the Joker from the rest of us, right? And it's like you, that's where it comes in. The sympathy is like you don't feel completely unsympathetic towards this guy. It's like, and I think that's actually probably a very important piece of this is this like he's a psychopath murdering person and it's like there's all these shootings in the world and you're like every time there's a new shooting you're like what fucking piece of shit person did this and then if you stop and think like uh not to excuse their behavior but it's like what um what what led them to do this right and that's the controversy about this movie is um and you see this every time there's a mass shooting which unfortunately is regularly of like how much attention do we put on the shooter because we want to understand that person so we can see the warning signs and stop it before it happens. Right. But we also don't want to elevate this person to a point where people that think like that go, oh, that's success. Right. And that's what people are arguing about this movie. Yeah. About- and I would say to go back to the killing joke and uh, we are we are well over time um, because there's so much <laughs> to talk about this film. Yeah. The thing about the killing joke is. Uh, Killing Joke is horrific. It's one of the greatest Joker stories ever ever told. He paralyzes Barbara Gordon, who stays in a wheelchair until they reboot the entire fucking DC universe to get her out of it. Um, Not that that was their only... Not right. to deal was like, let's reboot every book so Barbara Gordon can walk again. Right. Um, but literally, the only way you got her out of that wheelchair was by saying, everything's different now. But in The Killing Joke, as horrific as it gets, you still have that scene where Gordon says to Batman, we have to take him in by the book to prove that it right. works. There is nothing in this movie right. that has anybody saying, nothing. this is the way to not be this. And that, I think that will bother me every time I watch this movie. I, oh. Yeah, I actually don't know that I ever need to see this movie again. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I probably will watch it again just because... Of the same impulse that made me watch every episode of Gotham, right. it's it's in the Batman universe. I'm not going which to the means theater to I'm, see it. No, no, absolutely not. But when it comes out on iTunes, yeah, yeah, yeah I might, maybe I'll watch it, it one more time. Like especially if it has extras yeah. and a commentary. If it has more, I can learn about why they made this movie. Sure, I will watch it again. But it's certainly it's not the best Batman movie no. that I've ever seen. Certainly not the worst. I mean, right. yeah, it's. it's 
it's so much better than uh, Batman and Robin, Batman versus Superman. Definitely. Um, it's a great but it's Joker no, portrait. It's no too. Dark Knight. It's no. no it's no Batman eighty nine. Nope. But it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um, and going into this, we've talked about this before. Um, I don't ever need to see Joaquin Phoenix play the Joker again. And I've seen a lot of articles from people who don't quite understand what this movie means of like, what's it going to be like when he fights Robert Pattinson's Batman and Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix are like, no, he's never going to fight Robert. Yeah, there's no, this is not a shared universe movie. There's not going to be a sequel to this movie. This is no, it. there'll there be another Joker. There's going to be a, right. yeah. if Robert Pattinson is successful. He'll make three, four Batman movies sure. like Tom Holland is making now. There's and eventually, be another Joker. there'll be another Joker that fights that Batman. Right. It will not it's be It's not going to be Joaquin yeah, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, I don't think, is going to play the Joker again. This movie's not getting a sequel. This is a one-off. Right. Here's the story. I mean, there's no it. Easter eggs in this. Other than the Waynes and saying Arkham, like, his doctor's not Harley and Quinzel. Right. You know, there's there's nothing to go, here's where we're going. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're done. Yep. And... That I appreciate where I can take this thing on its merits because every move, every comic movie I see now, I go, well, where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. Like, I liked Batman Forever fine where I, when I saw it, but then they made Batman and Robin. And I go, well, we're going to this horrible place. So now I don't like this movie anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that I can look at a movie by itself and walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this That's movie nice. didn't need the DC universe. It didn't even have the DC logo at the beginning. Nope. You're right. It just opens with the old Warner Brothers. This logo. move, this movie used the Joker to make money. Yeah, it actually. It, it, this it, was it, about it a clown serial Joker. killer. Yes. It yeah. If it was called Joker. Arthur or uh, Carnival, his yeah. name was Carnival, uh, yeah, right? which was, was super uh, creepy. Is like right. a clown name. If it was called that, it still would have gotten made. It yeah. wouldn't have gotten the budget it got, and it, and it wouldn't have gotten the release it got. It right. would have. It would have been an indie movie that you found on Amazon Prime. So. They clearly took the license to get it to a wider audience. So uh, it it doesn't have to further the Bat- Batman pantheon at all. This is literally, this is like Batman Damned. This is like the Lee Bermejo Joker. Yeah, it's a book like that. that's on its own. Do we, you know, we don't, the killing joke took Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair, put her in everything. Right. Like, you know, the next issue of Batman had her in a wheelchair. The Lee Bermejo Joker Never saw again till Lee Bermijo drew another story. That's what this is. And I think it's really interesting. That's yeah. Batman Damned? Yeah, Batman Damned is, okay. is connected to Joker. And it was interesting to read. It was good. But uh, it's, I'm not going to read Tom King's Batman and that Joker shows up. Right. And that's what this movie is. And I think it was interesting. Was it great? I don't think it was. No. I think it was good. I enjoyed it. And again, it, I found it very affecting. And it yeah. was... It was definitely something to think about. It was definitely something to consider. But as far as the societal implications, there's not a chance I'm ever going to go see this in the theater again. Right. Because seeing that in a room filled with people who are all feeling the same tension that I am. Yeah, it's not a great recipe. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? Like... You don't want to be around other people with this movie because it's a nice. Well, that's what's movie. weird. I saw right. this movie in the middle of the day. I saw it at like two o'clock or one forty or something. I'm yeah. like, and then it just sits with you the rest of the day, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know. Were there a I lot? Were there a lot of people in that screen? Oh, then? It was probably like mid full. I wouldn't say it was like crowded because it's, yeah. it's doing well. So I imagine every theater, no theater is going to be empty for. I yeah, saw it no. yesterday morning at ten. Yeah, so and right. how full was it? 
It was about three quarters. Yeah, it's about yeah, three quarters full. So I think it's like people are seeing it. I, I I'm sure it's making money. The controversy will help kind of keep it in people talking about what's this all about, you know? But um, yeah, and I don't know that it'd be any better to see it at nighttime and then go home and be like, nope. oh, it's dark out and there's nope. you know, <laughs> it's like it was kind of nice. We saw it at nighttime and it was kind of nice to uh, talk about it afterwards right. and then have it be the end of the day. Like yeah, we. We got in the car, and usually it's hard to get Renee to talk about a movie. She's usually like, yeah, I like that. Like, um, you usually kind of have to, like, dig in. Well, what did you think about this? Well, what did you think about this? Well, what? Yeah. And she was ready to talk about the theme. So I think that's, like, yeah, no so matter what, all, you're We talked all the way home. We picked the boys up from from their friends' houses. Yeah. yeah. We came home. We watched Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We flushed light. it out. Yeah, get it out went to bed. And it was it was nice to not have that rolling around in my head to get up the next morning and go, all right, well, what do I think about yeah, this? Yeah, sleep right. on it, you know? Well, if you'd like to let us know what you're thinking about it, there are ways to reach us on social networking. You can talk to me at Not In My Book. That's both on Instagram and Twitter. And that is how I run the Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. I don't have enough followers where I want to have a second feed to run. So, I keep so I've never with, uh, opened at Caffeinated Comics. It's I keep too much work creating and, a Caffeinated Comics Instagram. That would be awesome. It, we should, but then... It's just going to be full of action figures. Yeah, pretty much. Know? I mean, there were, <laughs> there's a, there were a lot of stuff we didn't get to. There were new action figures they showed. New York Comic Con is yeah, happening now. I saw Mystery Science theater live last night with joel hodgson we'll get to it next week but that is the way to talk to us um you can also but you can go to our facebook page facebook.com slash caffeinated comics where we show things like the joker trailer and the new picard trailer that came out next week is gonna be a news week that's, that's gotta, to that has to happen but you can follow us there leave us a comment post a story we always look at it we always notice it and sometimes we talk about it on the show kevin how do we find you online uh, I'm on Twitter at the Gray Pilgrim, and same handle on Instagram as well. And Kevin, and Steven. I am at the Brave yes. Butter Pecan. No, I wanted to know if there was anything else. Instagram. <laughs> what about Facebook, Kevin? I'm on there. <laughs> what too. about it? What about it? And Steven again because I talked over uh, it. The Brave Butter Pecan, and you could find the show at Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. We'll talk to you next week.